Good morning, Houston Northwest. How are we doing, everybody? Great. Good to see you today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and take it out, open it up, head over to the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 and in Genesis chapter 4 today, so go ahead and head over there, and uh, we'll jump in. Um, As you're headed over to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 4, a couple of quick things. First of all, um, if you did not already know this, we're going to ask this year that as a church, we are going to do something intentional to bring light into the city of Houston. We're calling this Pray, Care, Share, Uh, aptly named because the goal is to do three things. Number one to pray with our neighbors, not just pray for, but to pray with them, uh, to care for our neighbors in tangible ways, uh, whether that's helping them with whatever they need, whatever that might mean, or to share the gospel with them. Those three things, pray, care, share. Now, you see on the graphic that we have here on the screen, uh, a skyline of Houston, and most of it's dark. And so as we've kicked this off, what we do is every time that you let us know that you've done one of these things, then we light up one of the windows there in the Houston skyline. And by the time we get to the end of the year, we'd like to see that entire skyline lifted up, or lit up rather. Here's the thing, you don't have to brag on yourself, you don't have to give us your name, but we think that these stories encourage one another. So if you want to, you can turn in the story. So just head to the website, hnw.org, and on the splash page right there, you'll see the graphic that looks like the Skyline of Houston Pray, Care, Share. You click on that, and you can just tell us, hey, I had this opportunity this week, and this is what happened. But if you don't want to share the story, just check the box and move on. But every time that that happens, we'll light up the city, and we believe that God has called us to live that out, to be the light in the city uh, here in Houston. So I hope that you'll join us in that. Now, one more thing as you're getting uh, over there to Genesis chapter 3, I just want to briefly explain the Bible, introduce the Bible to people in the room who may be new to the Bible. Um, The Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament gives us a record of God's chosen people, Israel, and tells us about their need for a rescuer, a redeemer. The Bible says God calls them his, a possession for himself. He loved them so much, but they needed a rescuer. Now, in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, we find out who the rescuer is, that his name is Jesus, and that Jesus is not just a prophet or a teacher, but that he is God's son, God in flesh, born of a virgin, lives a sinless human life, dies on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine, and then three days later is raised from the dead. Now, Jesus' followers were so amazed by this, they went to the ends of the earth telling anyone who would listen that they had found the Messiah. They called it the good news, the gospel. And we preach that same message here today, and here's the message. If you place your faith in Jesus, you will receive, number one, forgiveness of sin and right standing with God. Number two, you will receive uh, the promise of eternal life. And number three, you get the power to live the way that God wants you to live right now here today. That's what we keep preaching. Now today, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 4. We're wrapping up a series on identity called Be Someone, and we're looking at how that message that we just talked about, that gospel message, informs how God would have us to live here today. Uh, So what I want to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into the scripture. So if you would, please bow your head with me, and let's just ask God to bless this time together. Heavenly Father, Nothing that I could say would have any power unless you gave it power. And so, Lord, that's what we ask, that in this moment you would meet us and that, God, we would preach Jesus and that, God, as we lift the name of Jesus high and the cross and the empty tomb, Lord, that people would see how much you love them and, God, that you want to be connected to them. Father, we pray this and we ask it. In his name, 
Amen and amen. Genesis chapter three, verse 21. One verse. Genesis three, verse 21. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. Okay, and then skip down to Genesis 4, verse 15. The next verse, then the Lord replied to him, in that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. This is the word of the Lord. If you've ever been on a long road trip and you've ever decided that you wanna turn the radio dial to see if you can find some radio preachers, you've probably heard the voice of Alistair Begg, the Scottish wonder. You guys ever heard his voice on the radio before? Yeah, fantastic preacher, personally one of my faves, but over the last couple of weeks, Alistair Begg found himself in a bit of an evangelical kerfuffle. And if you don't know what those are, just pray you never find yourself in one. But the point is, is that he said something that some people found to be controversial. I don't know if it was exactly a radio show or a podcast, but some listeners sent in some questions, and a grandmother sent in a question and said this, my grandson has transitioned, no longer identifies as male, but now as female, and is getting married. Should I go to the wedding ceremony? Alistair Begg, pastor for many years, gave an answer that I thought was interesting. He said, this is the case. If your grandson knows what you believe, and if your grandson knows how you feel about this topic, you should buy a gift and you should go to the ceremony because you never want to lose connection with your grandson. Now, as I heard him say that, and by the way, a lot of people you know, went off the rails whenever he said that. They, they thought that that was uh, essentially you know, really going against the heart of God. And I don't wanna debate that. That's not the point of this sermon. The point of this sermon is that the thing that Begg said in that moment that really jumped out to me was that he saw, I think, one of the characteristics of God that we actually see in these two verses. And what that characteristic is is this. God wants connection. God wants connection. Let's just go to that first verse that I read, Genesis chapter three, verse 21. Adam and Eve have rebelled against God. They've, they've eaten the fruit. They're banished from the garden, and you think, well, God's done with them. But God's actually not done with them because before he sends them out east of Eden into the land of Nod, what does he do? He makes clothes for them. It's an act of grace. Some people would even say that it's a looking forward to the cross because animals had to die for Adam and Eve to be protected. Then we skip down to Genesis chapter four, and there in Genesis chapter four, Cain has just murdered Abel, and we think, well, off with his head, Cain has to be punished, it's time for him to be executed, but God doesn't kill Cain. Does Cain deserve it? Probably. But Cain uh, is not executed, instead, what does the Lord do? The Lord marks Cain, and in fact says, if anyone kills Cain, he will be punished 1,000 times over. So interesting that God protects and clothes the rebellious Adam and Eve, and God actually marks and protects the murderer Cain. I find it interesting 
that both of them really look forward to the cross because in the same way that a sacrifice is required to protect Adam and Eve, there with Cain, a mark is placed on him and we know that the Jesus who is marked by the nail-scarred hands and the pierced side is the one who places the mark of his blood upon us. And in both of those places, the God of the Bible shows himself to be exceedingly interested in staying connected to the sinful heart of humanity. God wants to stay connected. Now, this isn't, doesn't just happen in Genesis chapter three and Genesis chapter four. It's not just the two chapters after the garden. We just see this happen over and over. The book, uh, the book of 1 Kings tells us that Abram, the foundation of the covenant, was an idol worshiper and then God called him in. He wanted connection. The Bible tells us that Moses was a murderer, but God still wanted connection with him. The Bible tells us that Aaron, supposed to be the foundation of the priesthood, made a golden calf, but God God doesn't cast him aside. He wants connection with him. God, the Bible tells us that David does the unthinkable with Uriah and with Bathsheba, and yet God does not discard him and yet still wants connection with him. The Bible tells us that Peter denies Jesus three times and yet does not discard him but wants connection with him. The Bible tells us that Paul kills Christians and yet God does not discard him but wants connection with him. The God of the Bible wants connection with you. Many of us in this room have convinced ourselves that God doesn't really want connection with us. Why? Because we deal with people. Because people aren't like God. People cut you off, won't they? And we laugh because we like cutting people off too. Oh, you cross me? Mm, it's over for you. Whereas the God of the Bible, you cross him, he climbs up on a cross. The truth of the matter is, is that the scripture is replete with this doctrine, the killer app, if you will, of our faith that sets us apart from Hinduism, from Buddhism, from Islam, from Judaism. This is the thing that makes Christianity different from every other faith, that when you go against God, he still chases after you because he has a quality known as grace. God wants connection with you. And the story doesn't end here in the pages of the Bible. On and on and on it goes into human history and into the future that today we, I can stand here, you can sit here, and we can know this truth. No matter what we have done, God still wants connection with us. And some of us walked in here today believing that we have done something so shameful that if people knew about it, then they would reject us, and they might, but God never will. God will always chase you. He wants connection with you. Many of us have read the Bible as if it is a collection of superheroes. Listen to me, the Bible is not a collection of superheroes. The Bible is a story of superior grace. The God who imagined and created millions of galaxies has spotted you on the pale blue dot and said, her right there, him right there. I want to be connected to him. I want love with him. I want relationship with him. God has designed you for connection. Do you want connection with him? Now you say, well, how do you know, Steve? How do you know that God wants connection? How do you know it's not just those people in the Bible? Maybe they had some kind of secret sauce that I don't have. Why is it that you can stand there confidently and say that God wants connection with me? Number one, I'm gonna tell you why. Because he created you. He created you. The truth of the matter is, is it was probably a hassle to put up with people in some way, but God wanted us anyway. The simplest way I can explain this is that God doesn't need us, yet he wants us, and so he creates us. Guys, several years ago, we brought home two dachshunds. You only bring home the dachshund if you wanna take care of the dachshund. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm not proud of what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> but this week I drove through Dairy Queen and got my dog ice cream. Yeah, I'm not proud of it. I know, it's, they say that confession is good for the soul, so here I am. Now I'm telling you this because to me it illustrates an important truth. You only bring the dog home if you're willing to love the dog, right? That's what you do. Some of us are convinced that God is putting up with us. Listen to me, God is not putting up with you. God delights in you. If he didn't, he wouldn't have made you in the first place. What I want you to hear today is that some of us think, well, I guess God loves me because he has to love me. No, God doesn't just love you, he likes you. He likes you. He wants to spend time with you. He delights in you. He beams with pride to call you his son or his daughter. God delights in you and he created you with deep intentionality. You are not accidentally made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and you have the specific genetic code, the specific strand of DNA that has been made with your particular personality, your particular interests, your particular gifts, your particular voice, your particular looks because God said, your presence ought to be brought to bear on the world in this moment. God did not mess up with you, or as the preacher once said, God don't make no junk. And the thing that I want you to hear today is that God did this intentionally because he wants to be connected to you. He wants to be connected to you. Don't allow your misconstrued view of yourself to be projected onto your view of God. Now, how many of us, if we're just honest, we look in the mirror sometimes and we think, I don't like myself. I know I've been there more recently than I want to admit. And the truth that I want you to hear today is that we cannot allow our flawed conjecture regarding ourself to shape our theology of God's character. Sometimes we have statements that we make about ourselves, flawed statements, that are I statements, and those I statements, if we will listen to them, will lead us straight to the lie that we believe about God. Because most of the time, whenever we believe false things about ourselves, it's because we actually believe something untrue about God. And if God wants to be connected with you, God is not the thing that you have presupposed him to be. God is exactly as wonderful and glorious as the scripture details. I'm just gonna tell you a personal story so that you can know. I have felt in my heart my identity wrapped up with my job. And I know it's weird when you're a pastor, you're called and that kind of thing, but I've had times where I have felt that if I did not perform as a pastor up to the liking of everyone else, that I would no longer be loved. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you felt that. And I can just let you know that that worked its way so deeply into my heart over the years that there were times when I thought, that means that just as I am, I'm not really worthy of love. And because of that, what did I think? I thought, God made a mistake when he made me. See, now I, I went from the, the statement about myself, the I statement, all the way to what I believe about God. And I thought, well, God made a mistake. And what's the real truth behind that? God's not good. God can't be trusted. Now, when I hold that up against the mirror of the Bible, what do I see? Well, God can be trusted. God is good. So if the scripture is true, right? 
If God can be trusted, if God is good, then what does that do for those I statements? That means God did not make a mistake when he made me. That means I am worthy of love. That means that even if I stand on this platform and lay an egg of a sermon, I'm still worthy of love and to be received, right? This is the thing that many of us need to do. We need to step before God and say, God, who have you made me to be? And hear it from his mouth and from his word, not from what the enemy has whispered into our ear. Because the enemy wants to lie to you about yourself because he wants to lie to you about God. Sometime back, I just spent some time in prayer before the Lord, and I was like, God, will you just show me who I am? And I kind of shared with you guys in the past that you know he, he revealed to me that he's called me to be a shepherd, to be a pastor, and I was like, God, would you just give me a phrase that shows me my identity? And like in prayer, when I was just seeking the Lord in this, I just felt him say to me through the spirit, you know, Steve, you're so brave. And I was like, well, that's wrong. No, I'm not. You ever told God he's wrong? I like doing that, right? Mm, false. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus, think you're so smart, right? <laughs> but he was like, no, you're, you're brave. And I thought, I'm scared all the time. And he's like, yeah, I know you are, but you still do what you're supposed to do anyway. I was like, hmm. And he just put a phrase in my head. He was like, you're a courageous guide. And I was like, I don't, I don't get that. What does that mean? And he just kind of showed me in the pages of scripture that shepherds love sheep. But one of the things that shepherds do is they say, well, we've eaten all the grass in this pasture. It's time to go over to this one. And uh, he just put in my heart, he's like, you, you help show people where they're supposed to go next. You help guide people. And I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I argued with him for a while. But finally, I was like, okay, and I want you to hear me on this. One of the great traps of my profession, I don't know if it's a trap in your profession, is that I consistently and constantly compare myself to the guy down the road, right? Or the guy that, you know, is on the podcast, or the, the guy who's on the screen. I'm like, man, I wish I was that cool, or I wish I could speak like that, or I wish I was that talented of a leader. I wish I could have that kind of a catalytic vision. And what the Lord does in that moment is he frees you when you finally receive who it is that he tells you who you are. And when you rest in who God has made you, you know what happens? You don't have to be someone else. And I want you to hear me on this. When you stop having to be someone else, you know what happens? You actually stop trying to make God to be something that he's not. And when that happens, you can see God for who he is as revealed in the pages of scripture. And this is what I want you to hear today. God wants connection with you, and I know it because he made you and he made you with a purpose. So he wants to be connected with you and we know it because he made you. Secondly, here's the second thing I know when you look at these first three chapters. He created you, but he didn't just create you. He created you with capacity. Created you with capacity. Now what do I mean when I say capacity? Genesis chapter one, verses 27 and 28, the Bible tells us that God made you in his image. We are not like the giraffe or the rhinoceros or the palm tree or the fern in that as magnificent as all of creation is, only one creature in all of the universe has the ability to commune with God, humanity. It's us. We're it. God made you, and I know that God wants connection with you because he gave you the ability to connect. You ever been out and about with your phone and you don't have your charger? and you start to notice that like you're down to, to danger territory. You ever been there? Yeah. 
And do you know, ever notice how weird it is, how relieved you feel if you're like on 1% and you make it to the plug just in time? You're like, oh yeah, made it, right? That kind of a thing. Have you ever had the experience, like, you know, if you guys have an iPhone, you know that like every three years, Apple says we need to make $8 trillion, let's make a new plug, right? And so they do it to where your old plug won't work anymore, right? Just went through that, right? <laughs> Why do we get these difficult trials, right? So this kind of thing happens, right? Have you ever had the experience... <laughs> Have you ever had the experience where then you have your phone, you get to the plug, and you're like, oh, it's the wrong adapter. Yeah, the worst, right? It's bad. Lots of us, lots of us in this room, we're wondering why we're exhausted and we're trying to plug into the wrong thing. Like, we don't understand. Why do I feel so depleted all the time? Well, because you're chasing after the world's wisdom, you're chasing after achievement, you're chasing after dollars, you're chasing after some false picture of romance, you're chasing after whatever the thing is, right? We can, we can fill in the blank and we keep wondering, why do I not feel the way that I think I'm supposed to feel? Because you were created to be charged up by the living God. This is why, so Wednesday night, Wednesday night is our night of prayer and worship. And I know that you know that Wednesday night is Valentine's Day. Weird confluence, right? Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day. I know, it's kind of weird. It's like, well, do we celebrate love or do we remember that we're gonna die one day? Now, here's the truth. <laughs> no one, I wanna make a joke right now, but I'm not going to, I'm gonna keep on going. But here's the truth, here's the truth. We're gonna show up in here on Wednesday night and do you know why Joy and I are not gonna go out on Wednesday night, but instead we're gonna be in here worshiping because even though I love going out to a nice dinner with my wife, only one thing gives me the charge and the energy and the connection that I need, and that is the Lord Jesus. And whenever we gather, I don't know why it is, but when we gather with the people of God, through the spirit of God, under the word of God, when that happens, then I am filled up. I don't know if you've ever walked in around a Wednesday night for one of those services. Most of the time when I show up, I'm like, man, I'm tired. I don't really know that I can do this, and I cannot explain this, but that's when the Holy Spirit loves to go, watch this, yeah. right? And then he just fills this room, and he makes things happen, and I wanna challenge and encourage you to be here on Wednesday night, because you'll probably be thinking, I'm tired, I don't feel like going. My grandfather, oil field worker, he had some words of wisdom. He said this to me once when I was young, I'll never forget it. He said, the day you feel like you don't wanna go to church is the day you need to go the most. Always remember that. And when you come in here on Wednesday night, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna leave here going, why do I feel so good? Because you plugged into the right power source. Now, here's the funny thing about that. Lots of us are spiritual, and because we're spiritual, been going to church a long time, we have plugged into a plug. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. It'll fit inside your phone, but it doesn't quite work. Have you ever had that experience, right? Some of us have plugged into like, man, I'm gonna know all the theology. And it's great. I mean, theology is awesome. Big theology guy here, big Bible guy here, totally buy into all that. But here's the funny thing. Like, we plug into the, the source of theology, and what happens? We get a mind like a genius and a heart like the Grinch. You ever met those people in church before? A big Bible, little heart? Those are not the way, or that is not the way we want to be known in the community. That's not the way that Jesus wants his kingdom to go forward. That's not how God designed us. He wants us to love 
the Lord with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. It's not an either or. It's all of our being. He wants that because he has created us with capacity in all ways and in all things. Jamie Smith put it so well. You are what you love. Many of us have decided, well, the way that my personality is, the way that I'm bent, I'm gonna love God with only one part of my being, but the Lord says, if you'll love me with everything in you, then I can actually do something beautiful. I can change you. You've been created with capacity to be connected. You have been created with a capacity, listen to me, for a safe, deep, beautiful friendship with Jesus Christ. You ever had those friends that like when you're around them, I've been blessed in my lifetime to have some friends that I can just say, here's what's going on. And you just lay it out there. Right? And, and if you've ever had that experience, you know, wow, that was nice. You've been created to have that kind of friendship with Jesus. Like so many of us, we're, we're afraid to do that. What I want you to hear is God created you to do that. You've been created for that capacity. Uh, this last week, on Friday night, we had Night to Shine. And Night to Shine, yeah, isn't it great? It's such a great event. And uh, it was amazing. And I wanna give just a shout out to Kristen Depew and uh, uh, her team who just did such an amazing job putting it on, incredible event. And Night to Shine, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is a prom for our neighbors who have disabilities or special needs. And I want you to know that there was zero theology taught from a pulpit on Friday night. But I walked out of here knowing the character of God in a better way. Why? Because I saw people who, in one sense, I'm supposed to be giving to, and they gave everything to me because they showed me the love of God. Right? I understood the love of a God who doesn't need anything in return and feels completely fulfilled what I want you to hear today is that the capacity for love and connection with God was not made manifest through a sermon on Friday night. It was made manifest through love. You are grounded in love. That is what your capacity for relationship is because that's the ground that God has set for us to be grounded in him, which is love. This is why the scripture says that God is love because this is what the capacity for our knowledge of God is found in and we are not intended to simply study God. We are intended to know and love God because he wants to know and love us. And many of us today feel dry or depleted or frustrated because we're not just laying it down and saying, God, would you know me and love me? And would you let me, let me know and love you? You've been made for that. You've been created for capacity. This is the last thing I wanna show you from Genesis to break the curse. Now, we do not break the curse ourselves. The curse is broken because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. But all of creation is cursed. We are cursed. Humanity is cursed until the curse is broken by the work of God. But if you're like me, then pretty much on a daily basis, you do something to invite the curse back into your life. The Bible calls this sin. Sin is basically just doing whatever God does not want you to do. And whenever we do that, we break the connection. 
But through Jesus, God restores that connection over and over and over. And what I want you to hear is this. Do not believe the lie that what you have done is so grievous that God does not want connection with you. Because the gospel truth is this. Nothing you have done is bigger than the cross. Nothing you have done is bigger than the cross. God wants to be connected with you today. Many years ago, under the leadership of John Wesley, the Methodist denomination was formed. They had a practice when they would gather in their small groups, they would ask one another a question I love. How is it with your soul? And I wanna ask you that today. How is it with your soul? Do you feel disconnected from God? If you feel disconnected from God today, Maybe you need to confess. Confession is not just telling God you're sorry. I love the Jeff definition that Jamie Winship gives. It's not just telling God you're sorry. It's telling God the truth. Anybody here ever try to tell God like 80% of the truth in your praying? Well, I'll just skip what I said to Tim the other day, you know. <laughs> what happened at work stays at work, right, God? You know, that kind of a thing. You think that God doesn't know that? Right, whenever we tell God the truth, what happens? We stop pretending. Back to the friendship piece. You ever have a friend that you can just be completely honest with and you don't have to filter? You got the unfiltered friend? Like, like you're so honest with them, if anyone ever read your text messages, you'd go to jail, like that kind of a friend, right? <laughs> That's how your prayers ought to be. Like, you just say it. You just say it. Those, those kinds of friends... That's the kind of friendship that God wants with you. He wants you to tell him the truth in confession. But then, a true friend, you don't just spill your guts. What happens? Then you listen. And then, that's what repentance is. Repentance is listening to what God says about you and then walking in that. That's repentance. See, a lot of us, we like to talk. We just, that listening part, we're not real crazy about that. But through the word, through the spirit, God speaks to us. We repent. What I want you to hear is that God wants to have a conversation with you. He wants you to say, God, what do I need to know today? Wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what are we doing together today? What's the adventure that we're going on? What is it that you would have us to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to know? And you say, well, Steve, how do you know that God wants that? Because he created you with capacity to have the curse broken. Why does God send Jesus unless he wants to break the curse? There's no reason. The only reason for the cross is because God wants connection with you. And this universe was created and the, the, the capstone of creation, the jewel in the crown of the Lord is humanity and he wants connection with you. That's his desire. You know, sometimes some of the most incredible moments in a sermon are unscripted and I, I started this sermon by talking about Alistair Begg, so I'm gonna end it by talking about Alistair Begg in 2019, Alistair Begg preached a sermon at the Truett Seminary Preaching Conference. It was at First Baptist Church of Waco, and just sort of spur of the moment, something beautiful happened, and I, I, we happen to have a clip of it here today, and I want you to take a look at it, so let's, let's pay attention to the screens. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? 
If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. Oh, what an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, ne- you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did you, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense that we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. The man on the middle cross has said, you can come. But will you receive that offer? Here's the thing I continue to be amazed with, that I can stand here and preach a sermon to tell you that the God that created supernovas wants connection with you, and some people will reject it. God on the middle, the man on the middle cross said you could come. What will you do with that truth today? What will you do with the fact that God wants to be connected with you so he created you? 
that he gave you a capacity, that he came and he hung on a cross so that he could break the curse. What will you do with that today? Many of us in this room are already believers, most of us in fact, but many of us have felt disconnected from God. What would it look like for you to patch it up? He's there hand extended and he says, please come, confess, repent, walk with me. The only way that you know who you really are is in crying out to him and walking with him and if you ask him, he will tell you. Others of us, though, in this room, we've never experienced this kind of connection because we have never yet received the offer given us in Jesus. And my question to you today is, would you? Would today you finally say yes to him? And I wanna be clear, it's the most costly decision you'll ever make. It's totally free and it costs you your life. But it's worth the price of admission. Here in a moment, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask if you're ready to place your faith in Jesus, that you raise your hand and that you pray with me. And if you're ready to place your faith in Jesus and you raise your hand, I'm gonna ask you today to sign up to be baptized, to take your faith public and to commit to giving your life to Jesus today. But I want you to hear, if you do that, you'll never regret it because connection with the man on the cross is the greatest gift the world has ever known. Here today, this is the thing that I want you to hear. Your sin may be scandalous, but the greater scandal is that God wants to be connected to you. Would you bow your heads? So here's now the moment, the question. If you have yet to place your faith in Jesus, and today you would like to do so, to surrender your entire life, to say I'm ready to be baptized, to go public with my faith, to let the world know it's time. To have that joy, to have that peace, to have that purpose. I wanna pray with you. Would you just raise your hand right now and just say, that's me, Steve, I'm ready. Just raise it up right now. Go ahead and raise it up. Okay, I see you. Who else? Just raise it up. Raise it up. Anybody else? Okay, I see you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, I see you, young lady. Thank you. Anybody else? You're ready. You ready to go public with your faith? Say, today's the day. Ready to follow Jesus. Okay. I saw three, maybe there's more. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but that's you, you're ready to make that decision. Right now, I want you to pray with me. Father, I believe. I surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to connect with me. I'm ready to follow him. I give you my life, and I believe that Jesus died for my sin, that he was raised from the dead, and that he'll give me the power to live. God, I'm ready to follow you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Church, let's give the Lord a round of applause today. 
Thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions about what you just heard, we'd love to talk with you. You can get connected at hnw.org about what we believe or how to join a small group or follow us on social media as well. Thank you so much for joining us and we'd love to see you soon.